Till I'm Tiptoed You Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Till I'm Tiptoed You Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tip. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Them Tip Told You, the podcast where I share all my musings about black history, black culture, and black spirituality. I missed you guys. I'm back. Yeah, I I needed a break. I still kind of need a break, but you know, I'm pushing through. Uh, We'll talk about that in just a second. I want to cover some just general news, some evidence of how structural racism is acting right now, some things I think we have to be on the forefront of, and then I want to finish up just giving you a charge. So are you ready? Let's just jump right in. So um, unless you completely turned off the news during your holiday break, you are likely aware now of the Omicron variants of COVID. And they're not quite sure if it's going to be more infectious, if the vaccine is going to be effective against its spread, so on and so forth. What they do know is it holds more mutations than any previous strain discovered. Um, And so I want to remind you, if you're not already vaccinated, this is a pro-vaccination podcast. I might lose some listeners after that, but it is what it is. I just want all of us to be safe. Um, And let me say this about the Tuskegee um, experiment, because I know that is one of the reasons why black folk are wary of the vaccination. I just want to give you the caveat that during the Tuskegee experiment, medical treatment was withheld, okay, from black people. Not that they gave you syphilis. These men already had syphilis. Um, and they withheld treatment. So it's a little bit different than what people are nervous about now. I just want to throw that out there. I also want to throw out there that if you're in the military and you're wary of vaccinations, why are you in the military? I've grown up in military towns my whole life, and I know, and you know, you've had to get vaccinations the entire time. So let's not act brand new, okay? This is not a vaccination podcast. I just want to say, be safe. Wear your mask. That's Even if you don't get vaccinated, please wear your mask. Show respect for yourself and others. But anyway, let's get back to this Omicron variant. So it was discovered in South Africa, and almost immediately, Joe Biden closed its the U.S. borders between Southern African countries and the United States, supposedly in response to the Omicron variant. But at the same time, we found out that South Africa discovered, not that it originated there, discovered the Omicron variant. We learned that the Netherlands, Belgium, Israel, other westernized countries also found cases of Omicron within their borders, and there has been no mentioning of closing the U.S. to their citizens. Now, if that ain't an example, an example of structural racism, I don't know what it is. In fact, some of the Southern African countries that have um, received this notice don't have any cases of Omicron. Listen, it's becoming so obvious that unless you're Candace Owens and getting coins for denying racism, you can't. Come on, y'all. Let's be for real. 
You're going to close. Listen. And let's not talk about how South Africa is being punished for telling the rest of the world, hey, heads up, this is coming. Okay? I, I, I just, it makes my teeth itch, y'all, what, how they do our people. And I also don't understand how you notice things like this and you're not a Pan-Africanist. We are the same all the way around the world. We get treated the same all the way around the world. How are you Eidos? I just don't get it. You don't see how, anyway, this is not that podcast. I just wanted to bring your attention to the Omicron variant to ask you all to please be careful, please be safe, but pay attention to how it's being used to justify. You know, 44% of um, immigrants in holding now in the U.S. are, of, are black. Okay, so, you know, when Trump started those crazy immigration policies that, you know, were some of which were effective under y'all's favorite Obama. Uh, Well, he's not your favorite Obama because Michelle's that she's problematic, too. But that's a whole nother story for another day. But anyway, we kind of turned a lot of us turned our eye, a blind eye to what was going on at the border because we didn't think it affected us. But 44 percent of those people in holding now are black. And I'm waiting for yeah, y'all to start paying attention. Now, it's not to say we don't have a whole lot of stuff to be paying attention to because, you, you know, we've got the Kyle Rittenhouse case. I'm not really going there. Um, we've got the, the lynchers of Ahmaud Arbery being found guilty. I'm waiting now to see what happens to the prosecutor. Um, but there's a lot to be paying attention to. Let me give you another thing to pay attention to. If you've not noticed these gerrymandering laws, the, the new policy districts, I'm sorry, the new districts being drawn up to protect Republican conservative votes, we need to give attention to that. In extremely dangerous ways, they are targeting um, Democratic voters and trying to push them out of districts where there will no longer be a Democratic majority in most of these Republican-held states right now. Um, it's happening here in Georgia. It's happening, again, like I said, in almost every Republican-led state. We're seeing these um, extreme gerrymandering maps. Now, my frustration about that is this. The Democratic response has been, just vote. Um, it won't matter if we're not the majority, y'all. Our only, our only savior can't be voting, okay? We have some other things to do. We need to vote. Please don't get this. This is a pro-voting podcast. We need to vote. We need to be informed voters. And we need to be engaged in politics, particularly local politics. Howsoever, we cannot depend on voting alone to save us. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I think we also need to be giving attention to while we're paying attention to this gerrymandering. One is literacy is a civil and human right. Now, I'm going to do a podcast strictly to talk about literacy, but I want to say this today. This week, I was grading papers. And I've been paying attention to what's happening in literacy instruction. Let me tell you how those two things are related. You know, when I back in the day of the dinosaur, when I was in school, we learned to read through phonics. I hated phonics, but it is an effective way of, in, of instruction. Right? You learn to sound out words. Therefore, if you encounter a word that you may not be as familiar with, you can sound it out. You can kind of bring something to it, and you can read it that way. 
um, predominantly now, a lot of literacy instruction, even if they don't call it that, is just rote memory. They're, they're looking for recognition of the word. This is why if you go to an elementary school, they have word walls, they have word lists, and they're just drilling the words into the students. Well, that's not necessarily instruction so much as it's forcing memory, which is a part of instruction. I'm not gonna get into that, the science here, but I want you to pay attention that when we left phonics and we moved to, the, to this newer thing, literacy rates in the United States began to drop. And it's like nobody was paying attention to literacy scholars that were saying, hey, wait, y'all keep buying these curricula, you know, principals, these leaders, these districts, I've told you before about how dangerous a school board is because if they really like something bright and shiny, they buy it. And many of them are not trained educators, so they don't, they don't necessarily know if what they're buying is effective. So we've been buying these literacy programs, and now we're finding out that they're not as good and they're not what they say they are. Okay, old school black teachers are, are sitting back now talking about, mm-hmm, I told you so. Google the literacy laws and then Google one of my favorite articles of all time, The Silenced Dialogue by Lisa Delpit. This has been going on since 1980s, y'all, this fight over literacy. Here's what I want you to pay attention to. If you have a young person living in your home, one, I'm willing to bet they can't read write cursive, and two, they will have difficulty writing an essay without sentence starters and extreme coaching. That is a problem. Let me tell you why it's a problem for several different reasons. The first is you need cursive to, to read history, okay? Let me, I just want us to make these connections, so let me try to make them follow me. At the same time, we're experiencing conservatives seeking to censor what kind of history is taught and how it's taught, okay? We're removing a skill necessary to read primary source documents. Now, if you're working in 20th century history, most people were typing things by then, and you may be able to read them. But if you're like me, and you're a 19th, 18th century person, right? You're trying to read these old journals of slave owners, um, writings, letters from Du Bois to somebody. Um, in some cases, those are typewritten too. But the notes, for example, a lot of the notes that we find of even black teacher organizations operating in the early 1920s, 30s, 40s are in cursive. If I can't read and write cursive, I have to take someone else to translate that text for me. I've lost touch with the ancestors who may have actually handwritten documents to secure my freedom, and I can't even read them anymore. Listen, if your student is one of those in a school, and most of them are, where cursive is no longer part of the curriculum, you need to be teaching cursive at home. Our future understandings of history depend on it. All right? I can't say enough about that that there need to be no ways of decoding and encoding information that we aren't familiar with. Pay attention to cursive, okay? But the other part of that is more generally just literacy. I am, I, I, I'm extremely troubled by how some of my students are writing now because what it reveals to me 
is a weakness in thinking, right? The ability to put together logical ideas, draw conclusions, analysis, right? And to support those conclusions with evidence is essential part of human life and it's particularly an important part of civil rights. And our babies can't do it, y'all. I'm not saying that they are deficient in any inherent way. I am saying that they are being underprepared to be full citizens in a changing economy. And I'm going to talk about what I mean by that in just a second. But right now we're in the information age still towards the end of it, but we're still in the information age. And a lot of economists will point out that we've always been the information that's being bought and sold. But we can't even unpack those ideas if the thinking isn't there. I'm nervous about that. So I just, I want us to, I want to put that on your radar too. Okay. Here's the last thing I want to put on your radar. If you're not paying attention, I want you to begin to Google or just pay attention to blockchain and what is being called Web 3.0. Now, I'm relatively new to the Web 3.0. I know something about blockchain, not a whole lot, because it's, st it's still like you talk about it too much and too long, it, it gets kind of overwhelming to me because it seems so counterintuitive. But I'll just say this for you. Um, well, let me say this first, and then I'll say what I was going to say. I'm going to start a segment on this podcast called Crypto Curiosity because I think, and here's the second thing I really wanted to say, I think we have to begin to pay more attention to blockchain, cryptocurrencies, and Web 3.0. Here's why. We were once the new economy. Black people were once the currency upon which many of these Western empires were built. I'm going to say that one more time so you can hear. I don't, don't want to rush past that. Our people our people's bodies and our people's labor were the currency upon which many Western empires rose. I'm looking at you particularly, the United States, right? And we have seen people benefit from our presence in this economy. Not so much us because we're the currency. Even with social media and so-called web 2.0, it's our data being exchanged, right? It's the culture we create that's being exchanged on web 2.0. Well, a new thing is happening and blockchain represents a decentralization of some of these things, currency being one of them. And there's an opportunity for us to do something we've not done before since enslavement, and that is to see the rise of a new kind of currency and be on the front ends of it. I really think now is what we need to be paying attention to is how to learn more about these new technologies, how to get resources. I, th I think, um, and this is not, I, I think on the Patreon I'm going to do a course on this, I feel like I'm all over the place right now, but let me say this. Most traditional African societies are decentralized. And it's through, it's when they become urban 
and begin to centralize power that they fall more easily to colonizers and other enemies. In other words, I believe what Marimba Ani calls the Asili, a cultural seed. I think our cultural way of being is in a less decentralized society. All right? Our lean is that. I think our traditional lean is that. If we're looking at a new economy that will be based on decentralization, this may be something that we might be culturally very good at. Now, I'm not finished thinking all the way through that, but just initially, I don't know if it was Egun or just me. Um, it ain't never just me without them, so let, it's them. <laughs> let me give them their credit. They, they snatched that quickly. But if we're automatically prone to a certain thing and then a new thing comes along that can benefit us, that is that thing, I think we need to take advantage of it. So like I said, I'm going to incorporate a new uh, segment into the podcast called Crypto Curiosity. Let me say this. I am not pretending to teach you. I am not a financial expert or advisor. I will be looking for people to spotlight on the podcast who may be able to talk about things, investment opportunities. I'm not that person. Um, I will be learning with you. It's just that my natural curiosity is peaked right now and I want to learn more. I really think now is the time. I do have some investments. So I like, if you want to learn more about that one, I can tell you about that one. Uh, but I, th I do think now is the time for us to be on the front lines of this new currency and the new economy that's coming. Web 3.0. It's, it's an opportunity to have more ownership over the things we create. And as natural born create, and y'all know I feel like black people are natural creators. I think now is the time for us to shine. And we can really take advantage of these things. Now, I'm going to move away from the economics of it for, for a moment because, you know, one of the things that I believe in is that we have to always look towards our ancestors' strategies to inform our contemporary strategies. Um, I wanted to say something about mutual aid societies, and if you subscribe to the, to the blog, then you know that a new blog, blog post went up this morning about what I'm going to mention now, which is mutual aid societies. If you're not already subscribed to the website, please do so at www.tellemtiptoldyou.com. Um, what's a mutual aid society? It's any organization or association that comes together to provide mutual support, protection, um, financing, help to its members. So it, it can be formal, it can be informal. Like not every mutual aid society is organized formally, right? It just might be, um, I think back to my paternal grandparents where they lived in rural Alabama. And, you know, the neighbor might bring over some eggs or my grandmother might have a bunch of tomatoes in the garden. So she's giving them to her name. That's mutual aid, right? I don't want us to make this harder than it is. I'm giving it a name, but we have these traditions in our community already. Um, my grandmother and her upstairs neighbor, my grandmother would cook some gumbo. Go take this to Miss Plummer, right? Miss Plummer made some candy. Take this down there to your grandma. You know, that kind, that's mutual aid, right? Miss Plummer calling and saying, I haven't seen your, your grandmother for a couple of days. Let your uncle check. That's mutual aid. Hey, y'all kids get out of the street. I know your mama said that's mutual aid. 
what the Panther Party did, now this is where most of my attention is right now, these free coat programs, these free breakfast programs, that's mutual aid. Now let me circle back a little bit. Remember I talked about this extreme gerrymandering and I believe in voting, but I don't think voting alone will save us. I think what will begin to save us is to stop looking for the government to do what it says it does, it never does, which is to be for the people. I think the people have to be for the people. So if there is a homelessness problem, housing insecurity is a better term. If there's housing insecurity issues in your community, what are you and people who have the resources doing to benefit the people who need the housing? If there is what I see, a lack of literacy and in cursive writing instruction that I've noticed in my community. What is Tiffany doing with her resources and skills to support that need, right? And I, I, I am gonna be having some things for sale. Like I'm working on some handwriting workbooks now. Um, so I have some things available for those of us who can afford them, but there also needs to be free programming that Pogue Educational Consulting is putting out on writing. That's mutual aid. There are way too many of us who know something about something that we're not addressing these issues, right? If, there, if there's food insecurity in our communities, if we are living in a food desert and we know that there's little access to fresh fruits and vegetables, there are a lot of us now that are starting farms. How about a community refrigerator? How about a tiny library? What things are we doing to support one another? I really think we have to give more attention there. So again, go read the blog post. And I promised you that I wasn't going to leave this podcast without issuing you a challenge. So here's my challenge to you. If you are not already associated with some mutual aid organization, please join one. And if there's not one in your area to join, you know what I'm going to say. Go on and start it. We won't wait for somebody else to come save us. We're going to do this ourselves. Make it a good one, y'all. Tell them to told you.